Hey, New Hope, good to see you all. Welcome. And uh, hey, we are off and running, aren't we? Gospel of John launched last week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it and uh, got your devotional and even this week started getting into it. We are taking 15 weeks. We're opening the Word of God to learn about the Son of God, and it's going to be an incredible journey. As I just mentioned the devotional, maybe you're here this morning, you're like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. It looks like this. We handed them out last week, and we'll get one to you here in just a moment. But remember, the, the Sunday morning messages connect with the devotional devotional book. They work hand in hand. And and let me just explain this real quick in terms of how this works. There's a slide that demonstrates this. Last Sunday, we spent time on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, introducing the book of John, getting it up and running. And then during the week, last week, in your devotional guide, uh, you were able to spend some time, maybe individually as a family or a small group, and go through uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. Now this morning, we're going to jump in, pick up in verse 35, and continue on this coming week. You'll go back to your devotional guide, get back into John chapter 2, and on we go. Just this partnership back and forth. The goal is that, that we both get time together on Sundays in John, but then during the week, you're getting your own time with God. Is, is he's open, you're opening the word. He's speaking to you and encouraging you in this journey through the gospel of John. So uh, that said, does anybody not have a copy? If you just raise your hand up, we have an usher back there. We'll get those to you. And we got a couple. Okay, great. So we'll get those handed out to you. Uh, the, the full schedule is on page seven there that you can follow along to, um, to see how this works. Now, maybe this morning you're, you're here and, and you're thinking, well, I love the devotional guide. I mean, that's all great and fine, but this is brand new for me. I've never, never done anything like this before. I've, I've never just on my own kind of worked through time with God. I want to just talk about that real quick because maybe you have that question, and if you do, I'm glad you asked it. Um, a time with God, we oftentimes, at least here at New Hope, we call it a quiet time. And a quiet time is where you spend time with Him, you give God your full attention, and the goal really is to make it a habit that in your life, daily or consistently, that you would be spending time with Him. Again, that Sunday morning is not the only time you're getting Scripture into your heart and life. If that is the case, that's just not frankly enough. You need to spend time with Him. And as you spend time with Him, give God your full attention, He'll begin to work in your heart and life and really change you from the inside out. Now, in terms of how to do this, there's lots of ways to describe it. I'm just going to give you one example. And if you have your bulletin on the back side, your first fill in the blank, a quiet time essentially comes down to three simple steps. Read, reflect, respond. Repeat. I guess that would be four R's. Read, reflect, and respond. Now, let me give you an example of how this works. We're going to use Psalm chapter 23, verse 1. Imagine you got your cup of coffee or tea or whatever the case is. You grab your Bible. In this case, you grab your uh, devotional if you're going through John, and you open it up, and you begin to read a passage of Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That's the read. Then you take a, a moment. Reflect. What's it saying? The Lord is my shepherd. So, so what's a shepherd? Well, I mean, a shepherd, if you think about sheep, a shepherd uh, provides, a shepherd protects, a shepherd guides. These are different roles that a shepherd plays uh, for the sheep that he takes care of. And, and here we see that, that he's my shepherd. I'm the sheep. He's the shepherd. And as a result, I have everything I need. He takes care of all my needs. This is the process of just reflecting. And begin to think through, what are some ways I've seen God show himself in my life as shepherd? Begin to kind of consider that. How has that looked in my daily life? And then finally, respond. And respond is action. So in light, of, in light of the Lord saying, look, I promise I'm your shepherd. I will provide everything you need. How does that impact your life this week? Maybe you're going through something at work. 
Maybe there's a, a big presentation or a thing that's a high stress or just a relationship, something that's going on. And, and whatever it is, you can say, you know what, Lord, I thank you that you're my shepherd in these situations. And knowing you're my shepherd, how does that change how I move forward? And then finally, I just referred to it, but taking time to pray. God, thank you that you're my shepherd. Thank you that you protect and you provide. Thank you for your guidance in my life. Thank you, you're a good shepherd. I have everything I need. That's what a quiet time looks like. Read, reflect, respond. Pretty simple. It's something we can all do. And so this week, if I just can, can you encourage you in the John devotional, uh, uh, you've got it, maybe for the first time, or you've been working through it, just keep going, keep spending time with him and enjoying the journey and watching how God changes you. So if you would, as we transition now, John chapter 1, if you'd grab your Bible and go ahead and turn there, uh, please. And, and as you're doing that, just to give a little bit of background and bridge from their devotional book from this past week. As you know, in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34, you've been, you've been reading about John the Baptist. You've been reading about his ministry. And, and his ministry was quite unique. He, he showed up. He had really one purpose. His purpose was to, was to prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. And he had large groups of people that were following him. His ministry was rather short. It only lasted a few months. You'll see why here in just a moment. It was a short ministry, but it was a powerful ministry that God used him to prepare for the Messiah. Let's pick up in verse 35 in our text this morning. It says, The next day John, now this is John the Baptist, next day John was there again with two of his disciples. Now, we're, we're going to see here in just a moment, the two disciples, uh, uh, one is Andrew. Andrew will be one of the 12 disciples that will follow Jesus and be a part of his ministry. So that's Andrew. The other one is John. Now, there's a lot of Johns floating around here, but this is John, who is the author of the Gospel of John. This is the John that wrote this book for us. And this is, this is John probably as a teenager at this stage in his life. And we see that Andrew and John, before they followed Jesus, they were followers of John the Baptist. They were there with him that day. Verse 36, it says, When he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. So here's this picture of, of John the Baptist is there. He's got his crowd, at least the two disciples, Andrew and John, are there. And Jesus shows up. And John the Baptist begins to, as I imagine at least, shout, jump up and down, neon lights, sing songs. I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing everything he can to point out to say, that's the Messiah. Everything I've been talking about, it's all about him. He showed up. He's here. He's arrived. John is, is excited and he's calling this out. Now make no mistake, John the Baptist is telling his followers, stop following me, follow him. He's the one. He's the one we've been waiting for. I'm glad you're here, disciples, with me, but you need to go explore him. You need to go check him out. That's the Messiah. That's the one I told you about. And so he, he's encouraging them to go. Now the two disciples, Andrew and John, they took him up on it. As we're going to see in a moment, they did. They're going to go check Jesus out for, themse for themselves. Now in today's passage, what we're going to read about, we're going to read about really the start of Jesus' ministry. How did it get started? Well, the first thing he did was he began to build a team, build a team of followers around him. And this morning, we're going to see how that played out. Now, I want to share with you just a foundational idea to set the stage for everything we're going to talk about later on. Again, your bulletin backside, next fill in the blank. Here's this kind of foundational big idea. It's this, that Jesus is the only path to salvation, but there are many paths to Jesus. Let me say that again. Jesus is the only path to salvation, but there are many paths to Jesus. 
What does this mean? Well, this means that Jesus is the only Savior. Jesus is the only way to salvation. And later on in several weeks when we get to John chapter 14, we're going to read again these words. It's right there on the screen that Jesus said. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only source, the only path, the only way to salvation. But there are many paths to Jesus, meaning there are many stories that unfold in our lives about how God shows up in our lives, gets our attention, and does a revealing work in us. Your story, your faith story, is not like mine, and mine's not like somebody else's. Each of our stories is unique. In fact, a room this size, there really are hundreds of different stories of people and how God has shown up in our lives. It's each is unique. And each is amazing. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the story of five guys. And I don't mean the burger joint. We're going to be looking at the story of five different guys, five guys in this passage and how Jesus showed up in their lives. And here's what you're going to find. I'm just going to tell you what you're going to find right here on the front end. You're going to find each of their stories is different, but they all come to the same conclusion. They're all different, but they all come to the same conclusion. And again, this is like you, and this is like me. And I think personally, I think it's really important to know your story. Here's why. When you know your story, your faith story, that encourages you. And when you know your faith story and you share it with others, that encourages them. It's important to know, how has God worked in my life? How is God working in my life today? And how can I trust him to work in my story, my life, tomorrow? This is what we're going to look at. So all that said, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's look at the first of these stories, uh, John chapter 1, again, verse 37. It says, When the two disciples, again, this is Andrew and John, heard him say this, they followed Jesus, literally. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they, and they asked, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. And it was about four in the afternoon. This was Andrew and John, our John, the Gospel of John author. This is their first encounter with Jesus. Now, you know, yours may be similar to this, but I want to just kind of shape what their story is about. Here's your next fill in the blank. For Andrew and John, their story is about exploration. Their story is about exploration. Here's what I mean by that is that they were there with John the, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist makes the introduction and says, look, that's Jesus. That's the Messiah. That's the Son of God. And what did they do? Well, they went for themselves and they went to check him out for themselves. They took the effort to go and see and spend time with them. They fo literally followed Jesus and they ended up having the privileged opportunity of spending that evening with Jesus. And at the end of that time, they came to their own conclusion. They were convinced that he is the Messiah. But you notice they, did, they made effort to do that. And, and as I imagine it, I bet they asked questions. I bet they just kind of sat back and just watched Jesus and how he was, how he was uh, with them and relating with them. But through all of it, they came to that conviction. There's something different about this guy. For them, it was about exploration. And maybe your story is similar. Maybe your story is one that's like that. It's a story of, of you had questions or maybe your personality is one where you're just a little more skeptical than others. And so as you consider what the Bible says, or if you grew up in church, or even if you didn't, this idea of, of who Jesus is. And, and for you, it was a story of just wrestling through it all. Is this really true? 
And there were some questions, and maybe there still are, that just dogged you for a long time as you try to figure out, is this the case? And again, maybe this is where you're at today in your spiritual journey, that you're still exploring, you're still trying to figure it out. And if that's you, I just applaud you for that, applaud you for being here. And I want to encourage you, keep going, keep exploring, keep probing, keep asking questions, uh, and reading, whatever it takes to find answers. And let me just put a little plug. It'll be in a few weeks, you'll see this in the bulletin, but we offer a class here at New Hope called Explore, and it's specifically designed for that. It's four weeks. We sit down. There's no curriculum because the curriculum starts like this. If you could sit down with God and ask him any questions, what would you ask? And questions just start coming up. And that's, that's the class. We just take every question and we just begin to work through every single one to help you as you interact with the things that you're wondering about. Some people, for some people like Andrew and John, it's about exploring for themselves who Jesus is. That's where their story started, exploration. But that's not everybody's story. I want to introduce you now to our next character, the character of Peter. Let's keep going in verse 40. The the passage continues. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him, brought Peter, to Jesus. Now here's the first time we meet Peter, uh, impetuous, loudmouth Peter, the man with no inner dialogue, right? I mean, just the man that if it pops in his head, it's out his mouth. And this is, this is who Peter is, but he's a leader, And he's somebody that God used greatly. And here is where his story begins. It begins with his brother, Andrew, going to him and saying, I think we found the Messiah. Come, let me introduce you to him. Now, Peter's story, unlike Andrew and John, theirs was about exploration for themselves. Peter's story is this. Your next fill in the blank. Here it is. Peter's story is about relationship. It's a story of somebody in Peter's life took the effort and had the courage to introduce Peter to Jesus. It was about who was in his life. And maybe you can relate to this as you think about your own story. Maybe for you, somebody in your life was like a grandparent or a parent or a sibling. Somebody in your family, for example, that really had a big influence on you. Or maybe for you, it was a work relationship. You know, studies show that, that those, the, the people in our lives that most help us come to a relationship with Jesus tend to come from our family or our workplace. It's those two relationships. In fact, I'm just curious. Let's just do an informal poll here. It, it, it show of hands here in just a moment. But if, if God used a person, a relationship in your life to help you to come to faith, would you just raise your hand this morning? It's my story too, and it's at least half, if not more, probably more than half of this room. That's your story. It's it's that God used a person in your life to help you, introduce you to Jesus. And as an aside, this is an important just observation, that the people that God has put in your life, they're not accidents. That there's an intentionality, the people that you work with or the people in your family or neighborhood or sports team or whatever the case may be, that those are people that are opportunities for you to have an impact in their life. Those relationships, because relationships are such a key part of how we come oftentimes to meet Jesus. So, so Peter's story is about relationship. Let, let's keep going. And Jesus here, he's having this interaction with Peter. It says that Jesus looked at him, looked at Peter, and said, You are, the, you are Simon, the son of John, and you will be called Cephas. Cephas is an Aramaic name, 
it gives us the, the translation, which when translated, now in the Greek, is Peter. A little confusing. Cephas, Peter, same name. Actually, it's a nickname. Nobody walked around with those names at that time. I know we do today, at least Peter. But that wasn't a name. It was a nickname. It, it, means, it meant rock. That's what it meant. So it'd be like Rocky or the rock, you know, kind of a thing. That, that's what's going on here with this, this nickname. But this is quite the interesting interaction, isn't it? So, so Peter shows up. Jesus is there. And they have this encounter, and immediately Peter renames, or excuse me, Jesus renames Peter. I mean, I don't know if you've had that interaction. I haven't. You know, you meet somebody like, hey, I'm Tony, and somebody else is like, uh, no, you were Tony. Now you're Hank the Tank, or you know what I mean? Like, you just kind of like, what just happened? Like, no, I'm Tony, and you just renamed me. Like, what's going on with this here? But that's what's happening here. Jesus degree of authority, so to speak, but comes, has this interaction with, with Peter and says, look, look, I know your name is Simon, but I'm renaming you the rock because I'm going to do something in your life. I'm going to change who you are. And there's going to come a time where this name is going to make sense. It was foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do in his life. So we've got Andrew and John. They have this, this story of exploration. Peter, the story of, of relationship and how he met Jesus. Let's keep going to our next character who's going to be Philip. Verse 43. It says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Now, now where Jesus is at, this is a hundred-mile journey to the north. This is not a short walk. This is a long journey. Now, finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town Bethsaida. Now, now here, here's a scene that we have. We don't know much about Philip. He was, he was a Greek gentleman. He was from the town of Bethsaida. There's a, a map of the Sea of Galilee and where Bethsaida was on the north side. This is where, where he grew up. This is where Peter and Andrew grew up. This was home for them. And presumably, Jesus travels from the south, goes 100 miles-ish north to Bethsaida, and he finds Philip. He's looking for this guy, Philip. And so Jesus shows up, uh, finds Philip, introduces himself, and, and just kind of cuts to the chase and says, look, I want to invite you to follow me. And Philip, we know, I mean, we just hear this first interaction. He, he doesn't ask questions. He doesn't ask for a job description, didn't ask for a background check. I mean, none of this is going on. Philip's just like, cool, sign me up. I'm in. Because he's a, one of the 12 disciples. I mean, he's a follower of Jesus. And here he just signs on right away. That's his story. Now, his story, here's your fill in the blank for that. His story is, looks like this. Philip's story was easy. And I may be wondering, like, what does that mean? Like, his story was easy. But what I mean by that is that for Philip, faith, and, and coming to a place where he received, trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, it wasn't a battle. That, that he, in this case for Philip, he met Jesus and he was like, that's enough. I think you're the Savior. You're the Messiah. I'm all in. And maybe for some of you here, your story is similar. So for some of you here, your story is one where, where, where somebody introduced the Jesus to you and just, it just made sense. And you're like, yeah, I'm in. That, that just fits. That works. And I think this is what I want to sign on for. And maybe it was a young age for you or whatever the case may be, but it was something that it just, it just worked for you and faith has just come easy for you. Now, if that's your story, and that's a wonderful story, here's what I often observe, though. The people who have that story sometimes later on or at some point struggle because they feel like their story is not very exciting. It's not a very special story. That it's one that just kind of fit, made sense, and the rest has been history. 
It's a story like, uh, you know, I was born at a young age, and I don't know, I was potty training and came to Christ about the same time, and, you know, I've just been following Jesus ever since. I mean, it's just all good, and there was the one bad day I forgot to make my bed, but other than that, I've been, you know, straight and narrow, and it's all good. I mean, there's, there's some people that, like, that feels like their story, and they look at it, and they say, that's not an exciting story, because who do we put on stages to share their story? And whose story gets our attention and captures headlines and fills conferences? I mean, it's these, these stories that are remarkable. These stories that you know, dropped out of high school at the age of five and, you know, and joined the Taliban. And I mean, all this stuff, you know, and you're just like, wow, I didn't do any of that. But, but speaking to your parents here and even grandparents, parents, you know this to be true. You want your children to have a boring testimony, right? Like there's nothing wrong with a boring testimony. This is what we want for our children and I just want to encourage you, no matter where your story is, and if you're like, yeah, I can relate with Philip. It just kind of worked out easy for me or came to Christ at a young age, and I've just never really questioned it. Every story is special. And every story, every testimony is a miracle. It's a miracle where God showed up and changed somebody's life. And too often we rank our stories. Their story is better than my story, or my story is better than your story, or whatever the case may be. Every story matters. Every story is a miracle, including Philip's. Let's talk about one last person as we begin to wrap up this morning. So we've talked about Andrew and John. We've talked about Peter, the relationship. Philip, his faith story was easy. One more. We're going to look at Nathaniel's life. Verse 45. It says next that Philip found Nathaniel. And told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and after whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, Nathaniel's response, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Well, come and see, said Philip. So God uses Philip in Nathaniel's life. We have this relationship component, but there's more going on here. Now, Nathaniel, we don't know much about him. He was a Jewish man. He was from a community by the name of Cana. We've got a little map here to show you, especially as you read in your devotional this week, John chapter 2. Jesus is going to go to a wedding in this, in this community, this, this city of Cana, and, and do a miracle here. But this is where Nathaniel's from. This is his, his hometown roots. It's five miles north of Nazareth. Now, we don't know much about him again, but we know he had a pretty low opinion of, of Nazareth. I don't know if there are rival villages. I don't know if this is like Adel, Redfield. I don't know what's going on here. But, he's, you know, for him, it's like, look, there's nothing good that can come from that podunk village of Nazareth. I'm not buying it. And so Philip's like, well, come see for yourself. Come explore. And so Nathaniel's like, all right, I'll do it. Verse 47. It says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. This is, this is actually a compliment. Jesus says to him, Nathaniel, I can see you're, you're an honest man. Like there's no, there's no under the surface kind of stuff. Like you, you are exactly as you present. Again, this is a compliment. Next verse. He says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, what's going on here? Well, first, let me give you a little snapshot of what a fig tree looks like. Here you go. And in this time in history, fig trees were great for shade. Still are. And so oftentimes, people would go under a fig tree, and they would take a nap. They would read. They would study. It was a place to go and just be or be with friends and talk and interact. 
Nathaniel earlier in the day was under the fig tree and he was doing what we talked about earlier. He was having his quiet time. He was having his quiet time. He was in the, in the Old Testament and he was studying it and reading it. And Jesus says, look, I saw you earlier in the day having your quiet time. Now, is, there's a chance, and there's some allusion to this later, uh, alluding to it later on, that Jesus is even pointing out, or will point out, Nathaniel, I not only saw you under the tree having your quiet time, but I also know you were reading Genesis chapter 28. I know where you were even having your quiet time. All right, Nathaniel's like, whoa, time out. Okay, hold on a second. You didn't even know where I was. You knew I was having a quiet time, and potentially, he's communicating, as you'll see later in a moment, you knew I was reading in Genesis 28? Like, how'd you know all that? There's no way you could have known all that. For Nathaniel, here's your next fill in the blank, it's this idea. Nathaniel's story begins with a miracle. Nathaniel's story begins with something supernatural. It begins with, with Jesus showing up and doing something that caught his attention enough to say, you know what, you're different. Something's different about you. And maybe your story is, is the same. Maybe your story is one where, where it's like God showed up and did a miracle and did something in your life and you just, you just stepped away and you said, there's only one way this could be answered. And that there is a God on the throne and he showed up and did this work. It was a miracle. Let's keep going as we wrap up our last few verses. Verse 49. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. But he's hooked. He's like, I'm all in. Three different titles. This guy knew the Old Testament. This guy is referring back and saying, you are the son of God, Messiah. You are a rabbi teacher. He's all in. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then I love this. Then he added, verse 51. Very truly I tell you, or in other words, this is really important. Listen to this, Nathaniel. He says, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending, descending on the Son of Man. What is he doing here? He, he's saying, remember when you were reading in Genesis chapter 28? That passage is actually all about me. I'm the Son of Man. The passage in Genesis 28 that you're reading about is about me, and I'm going to demonstrate that. You're, you're going to see that in action as you follow me. Yeah, yeah, I know I pointed out about the fig tree thing. That's nothing. Just wait, Nathaniel. Just wait until I show you what's in store. Five different people, four different types of stories a story of exploration, a story of relationship, a, a story that was easy, a, a story that was miraculous. I want to ask this morning as we close. What's your story? Is your story like any of these stories? Is your story where you can resonate, you say, you know, yeah, mine was similar in this way. This is how God showed up in my life. This, this, is, this is how I can, I can connect. And I want you to notice again that, I want you to notice that they all had a different way of coming to know who Jesus was, but they all came to the same conviction. Who is Jesus? Savior, Messiah, Son of God. And what does he want from my life? He wants my life. He wants my trust. He wants my faith. He wants me to surrender who I am to him. Uh, Band, I'd like to invite you to come on up if you would, please. I want to close with one last idea. Uh, uh, one last idea. It's your last fill in the blank. And here it is. 
Can I encourage you this morning to invite Jesus into your story so that he can rewrite your story? Your story is your life. And maybe for you this morning, maybe for you, as you think about your, your story, you think about a story that is just filled with pain or brokenness or, or regret. And you're at a place this morning, you're like, I don't want to keep telling that same story. It's a story that's a cycle that I can't get out of. And it's a story I'm not very excited to tell. And it's a story I'd like to stop it. Maybe it's even a generational story of legacy of generations past in your family and it's just continued on to this day. And can I tell you this morning, that story doesn't have to keep going. It's a story where you can say, even this morning, to say, you know what, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And that means metaphorically here, I'm gonna give you the pen of my life and my story and I'm a blank tablet, I'm a blank piece of paper and you have the right and the license to write whatever story you wanna write in my life. And maybe this morning you're like, I've already said yes to Jesus, been following him. But I will admit, when I'm honest, that there's some parts of my story that I don't let the Lord have access to. That he can have my Sunday mornings, or he can have my Tuesday night at small group, but, but there's some other things in my life that he does not get to touch. There's some other areas of my life where the story is mine to tell and it's mine to write. And maybe for you it's a time to also metaphorically Give the Lord the pen of your life and to say you have the right to write what you want. If you do this, let me make you a guarantee. The guarantee is that the story that he writes in your life will be far different than anything you would ever think or imagine or write for yourself. His ways are so beyond and so much better than ours. You will be shocked at the places he takes you. You'll be amazed at the doors he opens You'll be in awe of the ways he uses your life to make an eternal impact in somebody else's life. And so this morning, you have a choice to make, and so do I. You can be a big character in your own very small story. And your story is a story that eventually will be forgotten, and so will mine. Or you could say, you know what? I'd rather be a small story, God, in your big cosmic kingdom advancing narrative that you're doing all around the world a story that is going to that will shape the ages i want to be a part of that i want to be a small part of that as an individual as a family for us as a church it's not about us never been about us it's about him isn't it or we say god you get to write the story so let me ask you this morning what's your story and what do you hope is the story God will tell in and through your life that will be told for generations to come because it was so much bigger than ourselves? Would you pray with me? And let's ask God to help us have the courage to hand over the pen to say, you get to write. Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for uh, this passage. Thank you for these stories. Thank you for uh, the encouragement that they are. And the reminder that, that while there's only one way to, to a relationship, a restored relationship marked by grace and forgiveness, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, there are so many different ways to get to you as you show up in our life. And I pray that no matter where we're at in our spiritual journey this morning, that you would, Lord, give us the courage to hand over the pen that you would write something beautiful.
our days are yours. The breath in our lungs, our very lives, what we have, who we are, and where you've placed us, it's all you. So, Father, tell a grand story in our lives. Help us to surrender and have the courage to do that, to allow you to be the Lord. It's in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Would you stand, please? I'll stay when you move. 